Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am Mary Catherine Ham, your host. I'm here, as always, with my friend Vic Mattis, an editor at the Washington Free Beacon and a co-host of the Sub Beacon podcast, which you can find on Patreon. How are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I am barely hanging in there. Apologies to our listeners, uh, as some of you are, all listeners should know from last episode, I had a tooth extraction that took place on Friday. Do you want the G or PG version of the story? Because the R-rated version has to go with the sub-beacon, and it's straight out of Hostel. You know. Yeah. Or, you know, there was a movie... The movie with Corbin Burnson as the killer dentist, that's that's the one that goes on this the This is a Sweeney beacon. Todd situation. It's, it's something. It's like uh, Marathon Man. Okay. I say go with G because I want dif- <laughs> to differentiate the content from the sub-beacon. Yeah, I, sure. I don't, the I don't G wanna, version. You don't want to step on any it. toes. You don't want to even go near it. I don't, don't okay. want to step on any teeth. All right. All right. So. Yes. Oh, oof. Okay. Well, uh, the G version is the dentist on Friday was only able to get part of it Mm. out. And so I had to go yesterday to an oral surgeon. Oh, fun. Who took care of the rest. I have also had to do that once. Really? Well, I told you about my many extractions. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. No, you've been through the the ringer. One of of them. And this is... I'm looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, no, it's so much money. So (laughs) much money. It's amazing. One of the upsides of having ham teeth is that they're sort of of indestructible... And yeah. very strong, mm-hmm. but they were choppers. They were they're, they're like serious chompers. But they were very strong and indestructible, even as baby teeth when they were trying to uh-huh. take them out. Yeah. And at one point, my dentist said, it "Was an older gentleman mm-hmm. had no issue with him." He leaned over to his uh, hygienist because he was having some issues, and he said, "Are we sure this is the right tooth?" That's a thing I actually heard one time. <laughs> It was. It yeah. was. It was just stubborn. And again, mm-hmm. I should me. have issued a trigger warning at the beginning for all the people who don't like yeah, to talk about teeth. people who don't like to hear about teeth. That's true. <laughs> we know. Uh, so that happened. And so I'm on a variety of meds. Just I uh, alternating between ibuprofen and acetaminophen yeah. and didn't get much sleep. So I'm just hanging in there. But I do have good news, which is I'm losing weight. As you know, I've always complained about it. The The dental diet is right. really quite something because it's all even, soft food. Maybe they'll even wire that jaw shut and you'll be, uh, you'll be oh, on, your, well, that's, on that's your way a, to a Sports Illustrated a cover. They, they did a CT scan. They found I had a baby tooth inside that they want to get out that's like inside me, like behind my It's your twin. Yeah. It's like weird. It grew up in the other direction, buried inside above my palate. So uh, wow. that is a long-term thing that they want to get to. Things that you find on CT scans, that's why you don't do them. That's no. my that's my medical advice. <laughs> don't ever get checked for anything. You don't you know. don't want to know. No, you don't want to know. It looks like something out of Ripley's Believe It or Not. So uh, that is long term and the short term is just now the recovery period. Oh. So that's where I well, am. I yes. <laughs> feel better. <laughs> Thank but. you. I really hope you are doing better than I am. No no medical incidents over here. Oh, I the do. only kind of drilling you got was go ahead. See, I just <laughs> well, lobbed it to you. Wait, I've told another oh, story. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I went to a uh, family reunion over the weekend. Ah. A, an, an elaborate one, or like a, a far-reaching one, not elaborate. We just had pizza and salads under a, uh, under a, mm-hmm. like a oh, tent at the, at the church grounds. Yeah. But it's in my, it was in my mom's hometown, and we Airbnb'd a little cabin there that used to belong to one of my Friend, one of my mom's classmates as a child. So oh it was goodness. the old homestead, yes. basically. But it was a real log cabin that had been oh. refurbished. And it was across the street from 
uh, you know, a little cow pasture with a barn. It's very, very rural. So we got everybody together. Everybody was wearing their little name tags that my mom had very meticulously created, which marked which side of the family they were from and who was who was attached to who and who was related to whom? 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 Editor? Yeah, sure. Right? Whom? Uh, and and so we actually were able to figure out who people were, which was nice because you get in those situations and oh, it's hard you to know several of the cousins and I are like, do you know any more than five people here? And it was like at first no, but then we started we started figuring yeah, it out, yeah. and we had broccoli salad and pizza and all the southern things, pecan pie. Even if you don't know the other people, it's probably dangerous to want to go out with any of these people because you're probably related. That's, I mean, that's wise, yes. But my mom color-coded it so that we oh. would know who to date and who not to date. Right. That's what side she- mom's side of the family. Okay. <laughs> she was thinking, you know what? Let's keep it safe, everybody. <laughs> so that was a success. And always Good. nice because, you know, some of those relatives are older and we don't get to see them very often. And so we, made, we made it happen. And no. the girls came down. And, uh, and everybody got to see all the grandkids and was very excited about that. Across from us in the, the cow field, there was a, someone came and picked up one of the cows, I don't know, for like a walk. <laughs> I'm very much not a farmer. <laughs> Sorry. You mean uh, so, like they walked so someone around? pulled up, one of the cows left the pasture and walked down the street for a bit. Maybe she was being milked. I don't know. And then they brought her back later. But in the interim... Her buddy, who was left behind, was none too happy about it. Wow. And kept doing laps, like sprinting around the pasture. A cow. I have not seen a cow move that fast or, before. Yeah. It was very impressive. Yeah. And uh, this is the this is the noise that she made. I'm going to see if I can pull it up for you guys. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> and then... Sprint, 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 sprint to one end and back to the other. And then when her friend Aww. came back, she chilled out. Oh, Isn't that sweet? So was- clearly, it was a milking or something. Okay. <laughs> it's not like... And then and then we had these amazing steaks for dinner. That, that no, no, happen. no. no. Okay, that, that was not the end of the story. Okay, good. Thank goodness. Now, you had a whole other experience. And this I is, did. I just want to clarify. That was my line about the only kind of drilling you got was was today on Capitol Hill. That's was what I meant to rhetorically say. Rhetorically speaking. Rhetorically speaking. So, yes, I testified in front of ah. a congressional committee, which I have never done before. I was about to ask, is this normal thing for you to no, do? I've never no. done this. But it is, it is strange while. because I... I speak publicly all the time mm-hmm. in weird situations, in debate type situations. Mm-hmm. But every time there's a new kind of speaking, it's Format. very, very yeah. nerve wracking because you don't know exactly what your yeah. tone should be. You don't know exactly what you're in for. I, of course, was the minority side's witness. So yes. the Democrats are in charge of this thing and are none too friendly to my point of no. view. So I don't know if it's going to be sort of a good faith engagement of the issues or if we're just going to be lobbing insults. I don't know what's going to happen. Largely, it was fine. <laughs> oh, you know, because I think you you want to come at it sort of, you know, I mean, your gut instinct is to come at it earnestly. Yes. And say, you know what? They want to know what I think. I will answer all questions and leave it at that. But you all know, we've all seen how these things go. Yes. And it was it was fine. Good. It, we talked about the the subject was gender disparities in the pandemic ah, economy. Yeah. So I, of course, addressed my favorite topic, which is school closings. I don't know if I've told you guys that the schools were closed for a year. And it is very important to me that society, including those Democrats and labor unions mm-hmm. that supported this idea, 
reckon with the fact that they backed it. So I pointed out, I was at pains to point out to them that six, six million plus children were out of school for more than a year. Yeah. That another 15 million were out for four months. Mm-hmm. And that these numbers are incredible. Yeah. And Democrats always talk about, and that was the point of this hearing, was to talk about all the structural change we need to make coming out of this crisis that will be funded to the tune of more than the five trillion we've already sent out the door because of course we couldn't make structural change with those five trillion dollars we need a different five trillion dollars they want to make structural change my point was it's been two years do you know what the most persistent Mm -hmm. and consequential structural change is to women in the economy in the last two years that the schools were closed for extended (laughs) periods of time and remain unreliable at best. I'm not sure that that message was welcomed. Now, I want to know, when you presented this, did you have to resist the full force of your bravada? Yes, I'm I'm slightly more subdued. But I'd I'm love not, to see the. But I'm not totally effect, subdued. Okay. I would say that the the other witnesses were very academic. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. much more a little more animated. Much more animated. My arms were Good everywhere. For you. Good for you. No, I think that's. <laughs> but the home it's the point. it's important yeah. to talk about. They talked about their preferred solutions, which are to spend a lot of money on mm-hmm. fade pam- paid fade family leave, paid. <laughs> it's a spoonerism. Paid family leave and other things to push corporations mm-hmm. to be more flexible. Not all of them. I'm even in disagreement with. Mm-hmm. My point is just that you must account for the mistakes you've made and that perhaps some of the money of the gajillions that you have spent and caused inflation to skyrocket, thereby making things harder for single moms who are already in a really bad place, maybe some of that money, a lot of it even, should go to correcting this problem. Yeah. That's just, it's it's a thought. It's a thought. Did you get a lot of nods during that time or or does the other side just ignore you? Or like, do they just like look down? Uh, I would say that a lot of it there was there was slight side eye. I was accused of looking backwards, to which I say because it's over the pandemic. This isn't in the rearview mirror, nor should it be. The schools remain mm-hmm. unstable, yeah. and people have to have their kids out for ten day mm-hmm. quarantines mm-hmm. because they were near a person who had an exposure on a soccer field one time a week ago. Yeah. This is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And further. The kids who lost in some places like Cook County, for instance, which was represented by one of the more hostile <laughs> representatives on the on the committee to me, they lost two years of learning in 18 months by the estimation of, uh, of one of the Democratic County executives mm-hmm. there. It's not in the past for them. Those students and their fa- parents and their schools and their teachers have to wrestle with that for the next probably 10 years. So. How, how did the, uh, the, Congress, the congressman from Cook County, that area, yeah. Chicago, if you will, how did he antagonize you? Was it, was it through, uh, <laughs> was it cutting you off? Yeah, no, I, was, I, I couldn't answer him fully, but um, there, mm-hmm. there's always one person who does some oppo. And the oppo was like a 2018 piece I had written about Equal Pay Day, where we don't treat Equal Pay Day with any of the nuance or complexity mm-hmm. of what women actually want in the workplace. We just we just say, like, this isn't... And mm-hmm. by the way, even if, if you push Obama-era economists mm-hmm. on the stat for Equal Pay Day, they have admitted in public, like, yeah, it, okay, so it actually doesn't encompass yeah. the things that yeah. we talk about in a, right. more full, in, a, in a more full economic sense. 
So, uh, yeah, he asked me about that, which, frankly, I was like, you know, that's okay, oppo for me. That's something I wrote. I, I stand by it. Stand by it. it. It reflects what that women have different priorities for work than men do, and that's an important thing that we should acknowledge. Good for you. So, anyway, should have been more savage, probably, but, you know, it is what it is. I think you, I think you got the job done. You got it done. I try, you know what? I was thinking about it, and I was like, this is... <laughs> because even though I do this all the time... It was it was very nerve wracking, and I thought, God. Oh, I can't like imagine. It's like a lot of stress. But I talked to some of my mom friends, who almost explicitly just said, "Like you do this kind of thing because we can't, because I have, you care, I have you're carrying." Well, them I've with been you. trained to do yeah. this, mm-hmm. and by the way, I can stand in at eleven something a.m. Mm-hmm. in a middle of the day mm-hmm. engagement because I have flexibility that yeah. some other parents don't, don't have. Absolutely. That I can take, I can use my privilege to go and speak about these issues. So was it a committee? Oh. Was it a committee subcommittee room that was level, or do they look down on you? They were looking down. Oh, on me. but I'll that be, is intimidating. I, I just will be damned if these people are going to forget that this happened. It's just and that's the, the driving force. That's great. It's just not acceptable. And if you're going to fix the problem, you have to admit it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, very good. Well, big. Public we're proud of you. You're li- the hammerheads are proud. of you. <laughs> well, oh, we did get a shout out from Congressman Clyburn for getting hammered. So we'll, we'll we make sure to get buy that. Make sure to add, get, you know, we're going to accumulate them over the next year. Mary Catherine Ham is a CNN political commentator and co-host of the Parenting Podcast, Getting Hammered. Honestly, I laughed out loud when he said it because the other... <laughs> The other, the other witnesses who were great oh. and I and, and operating right. in, in very good faith were very credentialed, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just a UGA grad that hosts a show called Getting Hammered, <laughs> okay, and I raised three children. <laughs> That's right, and, and but it's great because then you have like Bill Maher's intro. You'll yeah. have you'll have no. We gotta put we're gonna put a reel together. Nice montage, yes, a nice reel of all these people having to say getting hammered. Yes, yes, wonderful. Oh man, tune in for my stories about dip spit. If you're tuning into this select subcommittee, I think we're I'm definitely nailing the audience, nailing the audience. Anyway, dealing with some important issues with people with whom I disagree on those issues, but they laid out perfectly fine arguments, okay. and I would disagree with some of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, it we all kept it civil. It all we did the thing. We did the thing. I do think a couple trillion more dollars isn't probably going to help everybody with their inflationary saying, issues. You're going to say pumping more money into the economy. Yeah, I think it's a problem. Yeah. I think it's a problem. Ms. Ham, we only have a few short minutes. Can you discuss the impact that masking in schools has had on our children? Yeah, I think there's a broader point here, which is that uh, you know the experts say, don't look backwards. We need to spend more money on these problems in the ways that we have prescribed. But the experts were wrong about sending kids back to school and whether it would be dangerous. And they told you that putting your kid on a screen for six hours a day would be an awesome idea and everything would work out fine, even though we knew from years of study that that probably wasn't a great idea. They told you that covering your kid's face with a mask was the safe thing to do and it was totally worth any of the interaction and socializing and speech therapy that they would lose as a result. In many cases, it wasn't, particularly for children with disabilities who suffered the worst from some of these mitigation processes. Anyway, now, now I have all this energy. That's, yeah, that's, See, I'm balancing you out. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm unlike codeine. So <laughs> it's really working out well. Speaking of COVID, I wanted to revisit Shanghai. Oh, yes. 
Woo, baby. So they have been locked down in Shanghai mm-hmm. since March 23rd. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to talk about this because it's like a human rights issue. It's not even a lockdown like our kind of lockdown either. Oh, no. It's like a real one. Like you mm-hmm. cannot leave your house. Yeah. Uh, and then they were, of course, having trouble distributing food because you couldn't get enough food. Because in order for an economy to operate... People have to do things. They have to make the things to take to your house. And you saw the kind of food people had to subsist on. Yeah, it's it's not pretty. Here's another indicator for evidence. This is Bloomberg reporting. For evidence of just how tight Shanghai's lockdown has been, consider this. Not a single car was sold in the city last month. The majority of the city's 25 million residents were mostly confined to their homes or residential compounds in April as part of a sweeping lockdown to stamp out the nation's worst COVID outbreak since the virus emerged in Wuhan more than two years ago. Okay, those numbers are a little suspect, but um, almost all dealerships in the city were closed during the month, the Shanghai Automobile Sales Association said in a statement Monday when it highlighted zero sales figure. Woo! I mean, yeah. just just imagine that That's a dent. times everything mm-hmm. else for a full month, yeah. or for more than a full month in a city of 25 million? Yeah. It, it, it's not, and it's also not a provincial city. Because even in China, provincial cities have millions of people in them. I mean, we're not talking about Wuhan, even. We're talking about Shanghai, which is a huge financial hub and a huge center for Westerners as well, at least until now with this lockdown. And it's sort of this, you know, if you have a zero COVID policy, you're going to have zero cars sold. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how it's been working with everybody kept indoors and, and, and parents separated from kids. I mean, it was really awful. It's sad, but it's not a surprise. I would say um, the, the biggest thing is the impact outside of Shanghai to the global economy. I had read elsewhere, for example, Toyota in Japan was shutting down 14 production lines mm. because they get their stuff, their supplies from Shanghai. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a chain reaction. And I know if the old... Free Beacon podcast, we're still around, right and writer. I'm sure my friend Aaron Harrison would be saying, well, don't they all have bikes? You know what? I, really, I, thought, I didn't know they had cars. I thought they were all did biking they, around. Did they even have right. cars? Right. I mean, that was the old image from, you know, in the olden days, you'd see the image and everybody's on bicycles, but no. So it's a big Aaron, deal. Aaron is problematic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were many reasons. That show has not gone for it. No, I'm just kidding. He, has the, he, had, he had the biggest <laughs> following. But the problem is the reliance on China and then we rely, the chain goes on yeah. and on. Um, so, so that's one thing. And all I was going to say was the lesson learned. The lesson here is Toyota needs to be less reliant on China and more reliant on the United States. If they were producing and getting supplies and working in America with car plant, they do this already. Where they, where they do have plenty of assembly places they have in plenty Alabama. Places, and Toyota most does. Yes, and Toyota does. And if they did more, then we wouldn't have this problem because they work together well. Americans, Japanese, and you know how I know this. From the movie Gung Ho. Oh, there you go. With Michael Keaton. You know what? You should testify in front of Congress. <laughs> I have so much to with say. With this I said, kind of expertise. Congressman, have you seen the movie Gung Ho? Okay. So. <laughs> By the way, for perspective, in April of last year, 26,311 vehicles were sold in the city. Ha! Wow! Yeah, th- this is a more than a butterfly effect. This yeah. is like a dragon flapping yeah. its wing. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, wait, was that a little bit problematic because a dragon in China? Oh, I didn't, mean it, I didn't mean to say that that way. <laughs> If it is yeah. problematic, I did not mean to do that. I yeah, just I was, it was imagery. I was just thinking of bigger wings yes, than a butterfly yeah, yeah. is what I was thinking of. The residents really got Shanghai'd. Oh. <laughs> I can say that. I'm a quarter. I'm a quarter. I just leave that. I'm a quarter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. This is not a Shanghai surprise. I was going to tell you that. Oh, All right. right. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Bye. 
<laughs> it's going to get me canceled. Well, now there's oppo on me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're going to blame it on that. You can't we'll get canceled if he says it's okay. That's right. That's right. right. That, right. That's right. It, I'll blame it on the guy who's a quarter. Is that, that's how it works? Okay. Chinese, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you know... Yes. That in other important business, aside from mm. my being on the hill, which is obviously the most important thing. By the way, like whew, getting around up there, still, still a pain. Oh, you know what? Though? I hate going. Into I the parked city. and did not get a parking ticket, so that's it's one of the win number one. One of the greatest accomplishments about that you got to chalk that and one up. Was I there over the two hour limit? Hell yes, I was. They, Hell yes, and I was, live, and nobody found me. They live for the ticketing, so it's they good do. For you. There's some insane stat which we can fact check uh, and correct next time if I'm wrong. Because, but I fact check it every time I think of it. In the heyday, and this is pre-pandemic, I'm not sure what it's like now. Mm-hmm. In the heyday of Washington D.C. parking ticketing, they were issuing some seven tickets per minute. Oh, I that's kid, good money. I kid you that's not. Good money to be spent somewhere somehow. We now I'm going to look that up so that I make sure that I'm not misleading you guys. But I am. Almost positive that that's the case. Also, my Uber driver was telling me not only do they have the speeding cameras, but they have stoplight cameras. Mm-hmm. Stop. Little known fact, I was 50% of those tickets oh. in my younger days. So I was really, they were really raking it in on, on young Mary Catherine yeah. Ham out at the bars. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she didn't. She didn't have change in her pocket. It was it was pre that was it yeah it was pre park mobile, and I was just like oh, oh no to put in a meter another thirty five dollars. <laughs> you gotta feed. Remember that I gotta leave right. I gotta leave the bar because I gotta feed the meter. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would do that. Can't I did not that. thrive in that environment. <laughs> oh yeah, shocking. shocking. Yeah, you just winged a, it. You winged it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a line item in my budget if I had a budget that was like. You got to spend a lot of money on parking tickets in order to enjoy your social life. Okay. There's a UFO (laughs) hearing at the house. Yes. This is happening at the same time you were there, basically, right? It happened earlier today. Yeah. So so a writer at hotair.com, Jazz Shaw, who's who's an enthusiast on this Mm. particular Mm -hmm. subject, he said he previewed this last week. Shortly after... This morning, the House 3C Subcommittee on Intelligence will open up the first congressional hearing on the subject of UFOs in more than half a century. The guests of honor, who will be questioned on the progress of the new AOIMSG office. <laughs> does that does that sound like anything, the acronym, or no? Is it? Okay, yes. I, well, I think it sounds like that in Martian. It's, yes. It's, it's a sending them a message. Will be yeah. Scott Bray, Director of Naval Intelligence Activity, and Ronald S. Moultrie. Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. Based on some of the public comments of the committee members who will be participating, these two men will have many questions to answer. But as Brian Bender pointed out at Politico yesterday, the level of cooperation that the committee can expect remains unknown. Many in the defense and intelligence community have been struggling, quote, with just how much information they can or should share with the public or even with Congress. In response, Congress may have to offer some incentives to get them to open up. First of all, do we need this on our plates right now? Yes. That's right. The interesting thing is the result that I just saw was both interesting and not, right? So on the one hand, they do say that they have recorded in the last more than 10 or so years, at least more than that, well over 100 UFO sightings. Okay. They do not have answers. This was not one of those moments where they announce that there is intelligent life out there. Right. And this is This it. was not the truth is out there moment. No, this is not. And people were hoping for that. As always, we're going to be continue to be disappointed. And I think for two reasons. One, because they don't know. Or two, they do know and they think we can't handle it. Yeah. This is going to be one or the other. Is it possible that they do know and it's us doing it? What do you mean like us? Like that it's that the US, U.S. military. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's, 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 that's very interesting because I was going to say, you know, during the Cold War, 
and certainly in the 80s and certainly in the 90s, lots of people saw weird things in the skies if you lived in the deserts or wherever else, if you were near Area 51 or right. what it was, it was, a lot of it was skunk works, right? I mean, it was where they developed stealth technology. You're also seeing the development of drones right. and VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing uh, fighter uh, jets like the uh, the Harrier and whatnot. And at night, if you're seeing lights stop in the middle of, of the sky at night and they move left, right, up, down, that can explain some of it. Okay. Um, I think the, the, the thing to remember is you can say you saw a UFO and still not say you saw aliens. You're basically saying, I saw something. I have no idea what it is, and leave it at that. See, I like that. I can be a neutral. I think that's what it is. Now. Yeah. My suspicion, my suspicion, is some of it. I can't say all of it is foreign and hypersonic. Okay, and probably Man, they look small. I didn't realize he had so many ideas. About I have. <laughs> And I have actually seen a UFO. By the way, the... Like, the, the, the am, a- yes. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay. I, hold on one second. I need to do the acronym first and then oh, I need yes. to hear the story. Okay, yeah, the AOMSJ is the, <laughs> the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group, which should have come up with a much better name than that. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. And I'm just going to tell... I, I don't have an answer. I, I'm not going to say, oh, it's got to be this or that. I'm just telling you what I saw. Okay. Which was many, many years ago when I was in high school. I was outside... Our house, there were a lot of stars in the sky. I said, wow, there was a lot. And sometimes when it's really clear, you can actually see satellites because they're not the same as uh, other aircraft. They're much more further in the distance and they're faint, but they're moving. So I remember I saw two lights in the sky and I said, this is really interesting because these two satellites are heading towards each other. Mm -hmm. And when they got to each other, they started spinning. That's crazy. No. Yes, Alex, I'm telling you. And then this is the codeine. And I said, I can't believe. Yeah, well, I'm only telling the story because of the codeine. But, and it's spinning around crazy. <laughs> and then it went in different directions and I couldn't keep track and it was gone. Okay, that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story. Several years later, I'm hanging out at Georgetown, talking to a guy who I had just become friends with. He was from South Dakota. We start talking about crazy stories, UFOs. I don't say anything. He starts first and he says, he saw something in the sky and describes the same exact thing that I saw. What? That's weird. And I'm not saying it's alien. I'm just saying I don't know what it is. Therefore, it's unidentified. I mean, that's what I say about the 2020 election. Like, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but it's I'm not, not saying. It's, it's not, it's I'm not, not anything listen, listen, I'm problematic not, I'm not that saying, I'm saying. I'm not saying LBJ I'm just asking killed. questions. Yeah, I'm not, just, I'm not saying LBJ killed Kennedy. <laughs> Just with his own hands. <laughs> I'm not saying that 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 Hillary Clinton was at Fort Marcy Park right, right. Just, I'm just asking herself. questions. We're just dragging put, the body. We're just putting no it out there. Did. I actually saw once on the the Nest camera hmm. at our house a very late night, what looked like Ooh. possibly very low meteor shower, mm-hmm. and it's on camera. Mm-hmm. And I joked that like, is ET going to show up at the door? Because it seemed very. Like I hadn't heard yeah. about a meteor shower. It was very low. It made a. It made like a sort of a jet engine sound Mm -hmm. and just like blew up in sparks across the late night nest camera and then disappeared. And I don't know what that was to this day. And Um, I looked around, I looked on Twitter like one does to see if I could find anybody else seeing it, but nothing. One of the coolest things uh, to see sometimes you could, if you're in an airplane at night or even if it's really clear at night and you're on the ground is you can get the trajectory of the uh, International Space uh, Station. Oh, and yeah. you can see that, and that is very faint, and it's very cool to see. I will, one more thought on UFOs, and I'm going to stop talking because I'm sounding like a nut job over here because <laughs> I saw it. Oh, also, look, I was. Look, the house I, had <laughs> the house had a hearing, okay? Yes, this yeah, is fair right. game. I forgot to mention I was on LSD at the time. I'm sorry. 
Great, Catherine, I'll spit that, that out is, of That is a, no. a pertinent fact. No, I would say the one, my biggest fear, my biggest fear is alien abduction because I don't want the aliens to think I represent your typical human body. Oh, wow. It would be yeah. really scary. <laughs> I just hope to say the Why, teeth, because- the teeth thing. It's like what's happening to this thing. It's this man know. is a specimen. Yeah. And I and I would I I do agree with again we gotta stop. But I I do agree with Stephen Hawking, which is who said we shouldn't necessarily go out of our way to find intelligent alien right. life because the assumption that they're friendly, Woof. close encounters are ET. Could no. be really off. No, no. Much like a congressional hearing, you do not want to assume good faith, or you will yes. be in great danger. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, like, trust but verify situation, there right? You go. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. In other uh, earthly conflict yes, news. Yes, thank God. Let's move on, please. <laughs> back on the ground, folks. I'm not even going to look at this guy anymore. I'm now, I, I'm now sufficiently I, spooked. <laughs> Further evidence that uh, Russia has miscalculated in its invasion. Yeah. Of Ukraine. I believe Ukraine actually pushed them out of Kharkiv at this point, correct? There's Which some, is, wow. They might be losing in Mariupol, but they're making progress elsewhere. Yeah. Good. But on the, uh, on the diplomatic part of this, Finland and Sweden announced they may want to join NATO. The move changes decades of Finnish policy toward the Cold War era military alliance, and it upends more than two centuries of Swedish policy. Sweden has avoided all military alliances, but un- but like Finland, has also grown closer and closer to NATO over time. The decisions stand as a major rebuke to Russian President Vladimir Putin, who sent troops into Ukraine in February in part to prevent NATO's enlargement. Oops, and one more headline. Neutral Switzerland leans closer to NATO in response oh, to Russia. that's the craziest thing if I've ever you, heard in my life. If you have pushed Switzerland this far, you have really done it. It's been, what, 500 years or something since Switzerland has like, I mean, actively been involved in war. Sweden, that's another one. And I'd love to know what our listeners, without cheating, our historian-leaning listeners think the last time Sweden was involved in a war my guess, and I'm guessing here, is 30 years war. I'd love to know what other people think. If they know without looking it up, let us know. I do not know. Finland, so Sweden is the big surprise in this, but yeah. Finland is the big ad. The Finns, they fought the Russians, you know, right before World War II, right. and it was an embarrassing a loss. A flinty people, the, a, the Finnish. Tough. They are tough. Flinty, to, steely the people. The Russo-Finnish the war, they are tough. They beat the Russians back. It was much to Stalin's embarrassment. It's a big ad. They're not, you know, they're not a, it's not a third world country that needs a lot of, you know, general aid. They have like 64 F-35 joint strike fighters that they know how to fly. Here's what I think is interesting and concerning is I've heard critics say, oh, well, you know, this is why Russia's invaded Ukraine because, you know, Finland wanting to join NATO. That was that. That did, it's the other way around. Yeah, it, it, yeah. The, fin, the Finns had no desire. No, they were off join. the. Th- oh. This was off the table yeah, before right. this happened. That's right. And suddenly Certainly now Switzerland. It's, by the way, Switzerland. Yeah. I should say they are. They're doing a government study essentially on whether they should do this, mm-hmm. and it's unlikely that they would say yes. But this is a step in but a direction. But they're providing that, aid. Yeah. Switzerland yeah. is already providing aid. I think they're sending knives, pocket knives. Sorry. <laughs> and really. Really durable backpacks. Tactical tactical backpacks. Those are great. As you might imagine, in our home, we have a lot of tactical backpacks. That's a thing that we have. Um, uh, The the one thing that might stop them or a stumbling block is Turkey. Because they get... But everybody has a price and Erdogan will name his price and we'll see what happens. 
Well, I would be remiss not to mention mm-hmm. over the weekend pretty tragic news from yeah. Buffalo and Southern California, yeah, both. where uh, two mass shootings happened mm-hmm. in Buffalo. I believe 13 total hurt, 10, 10 killed, three mm-hmm. injured, 11 of those African-American. It seems very clear that the suspect intended that mm-hmm. that was the yeah. that was the goal racially motivated the one in southern california also seems to be nationality. politically motivated yeah, national nationality. nationality motivated where a uh, a chinese american citizen attacked a taiwanese yeah. uh, um, congregation i want to mention first off that aaron salter 55 was the store's security guard in buffalo it was a grocery yeah. store he was among those killed he was a former police officer and he did get a shot off at the at the shooter, but he was wearing armor, and he died in the, the attack. But a, an incredibly brave person yeah. to have to have attempted that. Another incredibly heroic move, Doctor John Ching, who, yeah, if I understand correctly, he was in church with his mother that day, and yeah. it was not his normal church, oh. and he tackled the gunman there, so they were able to subdue him and, and disarm him. him. They hogtied him, and the victim number would certainly have been higher if not for his incredibly brave actions and he passed away which it's just too sad it's it's on the one hand you you say why did he have to go there the the doctor if it wasn't his church and on the other hand you there are reasons why he did because he did what he did that's i mean the bravery that that requires is is another another we all like to think that we're in this position, we'll act. And we, we hope and pray that we would be as brave to do the right thing. But we don't know how many other people freeze. I don't know. As always, or we I have, would, right? I yeah. know, right? We have quickly moved to the political implications yeah, of these things. Yeah, didn't take as long. We, as we always do. I, I always try to stay off of Twitter for about 24 to 48 hours. Not long enough. Because a lot of... Try a week. Uh, a lot of misinformation can go around mm-hmm. in that time. And I think... Probably in my younger days, I did a, a little too much live tweeting of things like this and probably like retweeted some things that were not true. And so mm-hmm. I tried I tried not to do that. Yeah. I've always tried to be pretty careful, but it, I think it's wise uh, to to slow yourself down in these moments and then basically sort of try to acknowledge the victims mm-hmm. first before I move on to the next thing. So that's, that's the way I try to process these things. Obviously, we have the the sort of top issues, which is this guy in Buffalo was clearly driven by white nationalism. He had, as all sort of insane, well, I don't want to say he's insane because that'll be part of his defense or not, but as these people do, he has all sorts of strange threads of political stuff in his manifesto. Extensive. But so the racial part of it is obviously a discussion. The gun control part of it is obviously part of the Mm -hmm. discussion. And Democrats, of course, always want to get something rolling in Congress on that. Although, like, it just seems highly unlikely that anything would happen in that in Congress. And then you have a speech discussion, which is did right wing rhetoric encourage inflamed this? And I get very wary, whether it's left leaning or Mm -hmm. right leaning rhetoric about connecting the two to causally. Not that I want to be an irresponsible actor. I think I'm quite a responsible actor in the way that I use rhetoric, but that will chill and endanger speech if you yeah. start saying that sort of mainstream political disagreements are the cause of violence. Yeah. And that goes for sort of some of the eliminationist ref- rhetoric of a BLM movement, mm-hmm. for instance, about cops, for instance, right? These, these are things that people have a right to discuss 
and to protest and to be, you know, kind of nasty about sometimes. That's within yeah. the bounds of yeah. our society. And so anyway, we're going down this road. But I, I always argue, like, you will not you will not solve your issues with the Second Amendment by looking for remedies to the first. It's not going to no, work. And, and as our friend Steve Katowski would point out, there are an Oftentimes, there are already strict gun laws in place that were simply not enforced, or in uh, New York's case, uh, red flag gun laws that failed. Right. There is, of course, um, that's it's he, a sad story too because is. he was intervened. Yeah, someone intervened with him. That's right on a mental health front after he uh, threatened his school. So it's there's a there's another story, another uh, you know it's sliding door yeah, where absolutely. perhaps he's actually dealt with in that way. But that's right. Did you see the Rolling Stone headline, the probably not helpful headline by the writer who said uh, that the gunman was not a lone wolf, but rather mainstream Republican? That writer was fired by, I believe, the New Yorker Mm -hmm. for fabricating an ICE official with a Nazi tattoo. That's right. If you'll remember. That's right. She saw a picture of an ICE officer with a tattoo that she misidentified as something white nationalist and then smeared him on the internet and was fired from that job. But now she's writing at Rolling Stone where she can smear all of us. So that's how that progression went. I mean, if if you think about it, she's an expert in misidentifying white nationalists. (laughs) That's right. That's That's her area of expertise. There you go. No, no uh, I don't. I don't yeah. think that that actually to to go down the the rabbit hole. That is like in not insightful, but like um, elimin- eliminationisty rhetoric mm-hmm. to the entire other side of the country, right? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. That really it's a race to the bottom, man. It is. It is. And 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 again, it's something that the media will obsess over sometimes. Yes, uh, but not all the time, as you know. After the uh, the Waukesha. And the New York subway shooter incidents, yes. it was no longer pursued, even though they were also, these shooters were all, uh, these, both these people, not shooters in both cases, yeah. but were driven uh, by hate speech. Yes, for sure. By they, were, they were driven by yeah. racism against white people. That was very clear in their yeah. manifestos. And I, I do think that the, the disproportionate attention is a problem. Like, do, mm-hmm. do we not think that all of these victims are important? Because yeah, I yeah. actually do. And it is, it's quite clear that some are more politically convenient than others. And that does not give a lot of respect to those who get ignored. That's right. So Our friend uh, Charles Lehman, now over at the Manhattan Institute, uh, he, makes the, he makes the case that the, uh, uh, the accused in the Buffalo case should get the death penalty. That probably won't happen. Oh, wow. But he does because he thinks it needs, they need to sort of make an example, like enough is enough with these hate crimes in his words. To send a message of, quote, violently enacting your bigotry is intolerable to our society. Yeah, well, and do I think, too, that this is another, you know, repercussion of shutdowns and lockdowns and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, do I think in a country with a lot of guns that we're never going to be rid of? I, you know, according to my principles, do not want to be rid of them because I think people have a right to defend themselves and it's in the Constitution. so So you have to reckon with that. But in a country with a lot of guns, did we lock people down and give them a bunch of mental health issues and actually sort of like make some more dangerous people? Yeah. I think we probably did. We're, and and that, we're, we're only just now beginning to scrape the surface, right? I mean, one of the things, again, I don't want to take his manifesto too seriously or give it too much oxygen, but he's like, he at one point references like, it was shut down and I was bored, so I was on 4chan a lot. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah. 
There's no turning back after that. Ooh, so it man. Is, it is unfortunate. On the day that we're recording. Yes, that's right. It's, there's a primary in Pennsylvania. So let me just set the table for that, and then we'll have the results tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But it is Dr. Oz, the celebrity candidate. Uh, this is, by the way, the, the Senate seat vacated by Pat Toomey. Pat Toomey. Reliable conservatives, particularly fiscal conservative, Pat Toomey. Dr. Oz, endorsed by Trump, that's who's right. the famous TV doctor who's like a little, bit, a little bit of a wacko. And not really reliably conservative. Has a lot of beliefs that are certainly yeah. left of center or populist or just not ideological. Right. Then you have David McCormick, who's sort of the middle of the road, like normal businessman-y. The solid choice. Yeah. <laughs> Conservative, who I think is a veteran as well. Yeah. And then you have Kathy Barnett, uh, a sort of last minute surge from a fairly unknown candidate who hasn't been vetted super well. Yeah. These three are sort of neck and neck. She's surging and we're, there were questions about her military service and whether she had overstated how many years she served. I believe she did get it, give the paperwork finally because she was being pretty cagey about it. Oh, yeah, about like active or not reserve, et cetera. Right. Questions to both of you here. Can you, do you have to be a registered Republican to vote in the primary or can Democrats take part in the... Well, I'm getting, I'm getting news that someone is trying to make it an open primary state. So I think mm-hmm. it is not. Okay. Right Thank you, Mary Catherine, for having that answer literally at your fingertips. <laughs> My suspicion was that if it was an open primary, you'd have a lot of Democrats wanting to vote for Kathy Barnett to throw the whole thing right. out of whack. But if it does happen and she's making a, a late surge, well... Well, and just for more drama, by the way, mm-hmm. these folks will be up against John Fetterman, who's the lieutenant governor, yeah. a Democrat, biker guy, interesting looking dude, like yep. very like like a comic book character yeah. look about him and sort of every man vibe. Yeah, he definitely but, has that sort of blue collar. But vibe. much in the way of Donald Trump actually came from money, a little more, a little more moneyed than he gives, than his appeal would suggest. And so it's the kind of situation where. This is like classic Trump mm-hmm. era problem for the GOP. Mm-hmm. We're in this purplish state that has a lot of Trump lovers. You'd probably be okay Especially with a with a pretty normal candidate yeah. who can yeah. withstand a general against Fetterman, who's pretty out there on the left, but we may kneecap ourselves yeah. in the meantime. Fetterman, who uh, pulled a gun against oh. an African-American, that was on video, but I think they're just downplaying that aspect of it. You just have to be normal enough. No, seriously, the thing is, like, I keep, our friend Kristen Soltis-Anderson keeps doing these uh, focus groups for the New York Times, which is great. I'm so glad that she's doing that so that other people can enjoy Kristen Soltis-Anderson's wisdom and insights. She's wonderful. But she's doing these focus groups of Trump-supporting people from, she did, she did, Trump supporting men, GOP supporting Mm -hmm. men. She did women. She's now done battleground state folks. They all sound so very reasonable. And I can't help but think that the candidates that we are, that we are choosing with the relatively normal people (laughs) are not meeting. So uh, if, if, if Kathy Barnett, well, we should talk about this, but if Kathy Barnett is the, we'll go through each because one of them will be, and yeah. I'd like to know your thoughts. If Kathy Barnett is the nominee, what are her chances, do you think? Is this a Christine O'Donnell moment? I, I think that likely Oz or McCormick has a better mm-hmm. shot in the Democrat, yep. I mean, in the general election than Barnett. The fact that she is relatively unknown and unvetted makes me think that there's, there's, gonna be some things yeah. <laughs> that have not been dealt with and there those, are already some things but look the it remains 
wavy mm-hmm. year. And also, so, I think Fetterman just suffered a minor stroke, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He? That's the drama I was going to bring to the table. I forgot. He had a stroke last mm-hmm. week, and luckily his wife got him to the hospital, and they dealt with it quite quickly, and it seems that he will make a full recovery. But wow, th- this yeah. race is a lot. Yeah. So anyway, we will know. When you hear this, oh, no. we'll know who, okay. who took that who took that crown and what the what the rest of the race looks like. So right, now well. now you have the briefing, the brief briefing. There you go. I hope nobody takes my crown because <laughs> that's another issue. Okay. I have uh, a special call out. All right. A call out to the Petron family. I have been told by a reliable source that Mrs. Petron enjoys listening to our show in the morning as she brings her son to school. Thanks for listening, Mrs. Petron, and the whole family, because we're a family show. We are. That's why we keep it G-ish. G-ish. <laughs> Love uh, it. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am Mary Catherine Ham. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack, and you can find me at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. And if you have oppo on me, feel free to send it to me so that I'm ready for my next congressional hearing. Thanks for being with us. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>